Hi, my name is Freya Bernson, and this project is called Midwesteration. The goal of this project is to discuss ecological restoration with folks in the field, but make it accessible for not only practitioners of ecological restoration, but also people who are interested or may not even know it exists or what it means. It's a very varied field and there are lots of professionals involved in so many different projects and I think it's important to just add to the conversation that to some extent already exists and I don't think there can be too much talking about trying to restore ecological processes to places that have been disturbed or completely annihilated within reason. Um, restoration can occur on so many different levels and I just think it's incredibly fascinating. So fascinating that I pursued it as a graduate degree and I want to continue talking about it basically every day. And so I hope to talk to professionals in the field, interview them, find out what, what they have to say about the places that they work on, they work within, and just their thoughts on restoration and everything involved around it. Because ecology is not its own standalone field. The natural world is connected to every single thing within society and it sustains us. We are not apart from the natural world and so ecological restoration is in essence something that impacts all of us. That's just my humble opinion on the matter. And with that thought, I want to welcome you to the very first episode and interview of Midwesteration. This episode features Taylor Lehman, a professional ecologist with the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. We are visiting a really neat restoration site called Loblolly Marsh and uh, I'll let her tell you about it in the interview and here we go on. okay so um, I am standing here at Loblolly Marsh with my very first guest Taylor Lehman on Midwesteration and she's been kind enough to to do this for me and I'm so thankful for that for real um, and I'm just going to ask Taylor to go ahead and kind of introduce herself, who she is, what she does, and why she does what she does. Hi, I'm Taylor Lehman. I'm a the East Central Region Ecologist for the Division of Nature Preserves of the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. Um, I oversee the management of 15 counties in East Central Indiana. Um, and the reason that I do that is because I believe that restoration is, is important um, and that we're just trying to return these different communities to their natural state, uh, prevent encroachment of invasives, and just um, re-implement natural processes that have been altered. Awesome. 
So, uh, what what is you know why why is restoration important to you? Important enough that you actually work in this field? Like what I mean, what is that driving force for you? Um, so for me, the driving force is just an appreciation for nature um, and for wildlife. It's something that I really value and something that I think is diminishing with human development, habitat alteration, um, and really uh, troublesome for me personally are invasive species. Yeah, I hear you, <laughs> I hear you on that. Uh, uh, never ending. Um, so, um, Lab Lally Marsh, mm -hmm. we're looking out at this beautiful landscape full of native grasses and forbs and it's it's gorgeous right now even though it's the end of the season the growing season almost and how long like has it has it always looked like this um no it hasn't um in fact it was drained for agriculture and for um the oil industry in the 1800s early 1900s um the oil industry kind of hit a bust in the 1920s and so um, it was primarily agriculture and then the restoration officially began in the in the 1990s. Okay, so when I uh, did a little bit of back reading on this yeah this so this restoration is roughly not quite even 30 years in in the making? Yes it's not quite 30 years old and um, we've made quite a bit of progress. Um, I'm the third ecologist overseeing this region. Uh, Ken Brunswick started the restoration here and then we've just kind of gotten more and more land and restored more and more of it um, and we're hoping to continue doing that. Nice. So um, why this site? What, what makes it worth putting the resources into restoring this particular area? So in addition to the natural significance of the Limberloss Swamp, which once covered 13,000 acres um, and was just significant just for its size um, and just ecologically significant, um, this was also has some historical significance. So Jean Stratton Porter lived around here. She wrote her books about this area um, and she just was a big part of the inspiration um, for beginning the restoration here. Awesome. Yeah. And as far as restorations go, 30 years is a pretty good chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, I mean, to, to just the observer standing where we are at the end of, of the uh, beginning of the paved trail, basically, um, it looks, it looks great. Uh, as far as restoration goals are, going how would you would you say that you're close or on on the on the right trajectory what what goals have have you all met and maybe what goals are you looking to continue to meet so we're just hoping to keep it in this current state um, keep out any new invasives and manage them as they come up um, but yeah we're kind of in the maintenance stage right now um, where it's already been seeded, planted, restored, and we're just kind of focused on keeping it looking nice um, and being a good community for wildlife. Awesome. So what have
have been the biggest challenges, especially since you've been overseeing this? So for Loblolly, a lot of the challenges are, um, well, just keeping invasive species out can be a challenge. Um, and then we also have uh, the issue where it, because it was formerly farmed, um, we have a lot of tiles, agricultural tiles, um, that can cause water to get backed up. Um, they cave in and cause unsafe working conditions, and they also change the hydrology. And so we've been just kind of fixing those issues as they pop up. Um, sometimes that means taking out a tile. Sometimes it means just putting in a new one if it's still being used by a neighboring farmer. Um, we'll choose to keep it. Um, but yeah, a lot of it... Um, a lot of it relates to its its former use, and as every restoration ecologist knows, uh, the invasive species never stop coming. Yeah, for sure. And uh, have you had any, or I guess I should say, what what would you say is one of your worst invaders that that you've been working against here? Uh, reed canary grass is the main invasive species that we deal with. It covers probably hundreds of acres um, all total within this whole area. Um, that includes Limberlost Swamp. It's really difficult to manage just because you're looking at a really limited set of management tools because of where it grows. Um, it occurs mostly in wet areas and you can't use grass-specific herbicides in those areas, so you either have to wait for it to dry out or you have to use a broad-spectrum herbicide like glyphosate, which we want to keep the natives there, and so glyphosate is not an ideal herbicide for us to use, but we, we do use it. Nice. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough decision sometimes to make the best best choices for the best outcomes? It is. I'm learning that there's not really any right or wrong management strategy. There's just, it just really depends on the situation and what tools you have at your disposal. Yeah. So, I guess on a on a more fun note, uh, mm -hmm. not that battling invasive species isn't like <laughs> fun, um, but uh, what are some of the coolest things that you've seen out here? What what's what are some of your favorite observations, whether it's plants, people, wildlife, all of the above? Uh well yeah, all all of the above. <laughs> um it's great seeing people out here enjoying nature. We've had a spike in visitation uh, due to the COVID pandemic. Um and so I'm just hoping that they remember us uh after this is all over and they come back. So that's been really nice. Um I found a, a lot of really neat wildlife here. I uh, found a eastern red bat last year on the underside of a leaf, which was really neat. I've never found a bat roosting before. Um, so that was a really neat experience. Um, lots of really cool birds. This is the only place I've ever been where if you go outside and you're walking around here, you're most likely going to see a bald eagle. Oh. Um, we have quite a few bald eagles around here and if you come here for a week you should see at least one if not more. Oh man so what um, I guess as far as the connectivity where where do you think these uh, like the, those awesome wildlife sightings are 
are coming from. Do they have a lot of options in this area to, to visit, or, or is this place pretty pretty isolated um, in from a landscape perspective? Uh, from a landscape perspective, uh, this is pretty isolated. We do have other um, large areas that we manage in this general area, but I mean, they're they're not connected yet. The goal is to eventually connect them. And when you're looking at a map, it's it's what we own and what we manage, and that's it. It's, a, it's in a sea of agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just from the drive down here, it's very much corn, beans, very very much what Indiana does. Yes. So this <laughs> this place is is pretty special, I I think, and uh, it's it's a a very unique thing to see after driving through through a lot of agriculture and uh thank you for taking care of it <laughs> oh you're welcome yeah. yeah we think it's pretty special yeah and uh yeah i guess um what else like as far as restoration and special places like this that have been restored or in the process of being restored um what what do you think would be something that someone new to restoration or even someone seasoned should would you would want them to take away from either visiting this site or some of the other sites in your in your domain um to not give up um to keep at it it takes a long time but you can make progress if you just keep working at it it's not something that is going to have an immediate effect. It is a years-long process to restore an area. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, thank you so much, Taylor. I really appreciated your your time here. So just to jump in after that interview, um, I want to note that Taylor was kind enough to offer to walk with me and my recorder and talk to me a little bit about some more um, details on the marsh and restoration practices. So if you are interested in hearing a little more about Lovely Marsh, stay tuned and here we go. You will hear us walking. Um, it was a, a bit of a gravelly, gravelly hike, so bear with that. I like the sound. I like the the proof that we were, you know, on site. So, all right. All right, so I am on the trail with Taylor Lehman here, and she's showing me around Loblolly Marsh, and we are looking at a small sea of cattail, which is often a management nightmare or burden uh, or or fun, with, depending on your approach. Uh, so, Taylor, do, do you want to tell us about kind of um, the the approach plan for this this cattail patch? Sure. Um, so we had sprayed it before, and we're having problems getting good herbicide coverage, which is a common issue with cattail. Um, and so we decided to try mowing different paths through the cattail so that we could get good coverage of what was standing. And then we also sprayed what was mowed. 
And so I'm kind of curious to see. It seems to have at least top killed all of it this year. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen next year um, to see if any of the mowed vegetation came back um, simply because there were fallen stalks on top of it that could have prevented us from getting good coverage of what was cut. Um, and it'll just be really interesting to see what happens next year. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's that's cool. And like just hearing different people's approaches to to these different problems, I think is is a great way to brainstorm. And because there's never a one size fits all oh, for no. any of these. Oh no! And a common issue with cattail is that it grows in areas that are wet, and so you can't often mow it down. Um, this is a little bit of a drier area, and then we've had a pretty dry year as well, so we were able to get equipment right through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I might keep this on. If there's anything that we're looking at while we walk, everybody's going to get to hear my crunches on, <laughs> on this very nice trail here. Uh -huh. This is our ADA trail. Now this is this is nice that it. I mean, a lot of uh, preserves don't don't have necessarily accessible trails. So I, I remember the first time I visited here and heard the story about this trail is a pretty pretty heartwarming <laughs> story. Um, yeah, it was put in because we have a lot of school groups here, um, and unfortunately some of the students were not able to participate because it was not accessible. And so that was the inspiration for creating this ADA trail, um, and it's called Veronica's Trail after the little girl who was disabled and who couldn't go on the field trip with her classmates. That's, that's pretty awesome. Has she been here since to to visit it? Um, not that not that I am aware of. Oh, okay. So what? Uh, what are we what are we looking at right now, Taylor? Um, so um, to our left is a prairie restoration. Um, it was burned a year and a half ago, and we're hoping to burn it again this year. Um, so there's a lot of native grasses, native forbs in here, a lot of really pretty purple from the New England aster, and really pretty gold from the goldenrod. Um, it's one of my favorite places this time of year and um, yeah we're just trying to keep it as a prairie keep the woody vegetation controlled um, we have not really had too much of a problem with invasives in this prairie which has been pretty fortunate um, it's about eight acres total nice and do you, do you burn this prairie yes this is burned what what frequency do you is in your prescription for this? So um, standard would be two to three years. Um, we've been finding that due to moisture and wind conditions, sometimes it's difficult to maintain a regular burn regimen. And so this year, what I've been trying to do is prepare all of our burn units to be burned, cool. with the understanding that not all of them are going to be burned. Um, and so this one might get burned at a year and a half instead of two or three years with the understanding that um, somewhere down the line it might be more than three years mm -hmm. that we until we are able to burn it. Nice.
And that's in an attempt to uh, keep woody vegetation out, uh, thin the thatch so that new orbs and grasses can come up, um, and then return the nutrients to the soil. Nice. Very nice. And we just cleared back some of our burn lines so you can see where we started cutting back some vegetation. Uh, that was a it was a white mulberry tree, so mm -hmm. not really a, a loss there. Yeah. <laughs> some very nice burn lines you have. <laughs> They're crisp. We try to have pretty good burn lines, makes this things a little bit easier, and it helps that our burn lines, most of them function as trails as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got a little red cedar there. Let's we'll come back and get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, plants go. Uh, are you aware of any rare or uh, super high quality plants that grow in this in this preserve? Um, so, to my knowledge, there's not really any rare in, uh, species that grow around here um, at a nearby nature preserve. Um, we do have a couple rare species. Um, but not specifically here, and I think that's just because this area was completely restored mm -hmm. from ag. Mm -hmm. So um, most of what you see here is it was either brought in and seeded, or it moved in on its own. Very cool. Yeah. Call this area the overlook. I can see why. We're looking at a vast sea of Indian grass and other for and forbs and our wetland is down slope. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little hard to see <laughs> over the Indian grass right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I stand on the bench there and <laughs> get a little. But this is this is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to interject again one last time here. Uh, I neglected to think of the up-and-coming all-stars in the ecological restoration field. People often want advice, maybe, um, if, if they do. Uh, I asked Taylor what her thoughts are on what people should should consider if they are pursuing a future in ecological restoration and with that these this is uh, what Taylor had to say my glasses
Oh, no, you're fine. Fogging up. <laughs> All right. So, Taylor, if the young person were to come to you for your sage advice <laughs> um, and they wanted to know what you thought were, were was a, a good route to pursue a career doing something similar to what you do, restoring the land, stewardship, um, or overseeing this sort of stuff, where where would you recommend that they start? Um, yeah, so I would recommend volunteering either with uh, the DNR or land trust, um, could be even the Nature Conservancy, um, and just getting your foot in the door, and I'd recommend doing that while you're still in college and are not um, quite on your own yet. And that could be an unpaid or a paid internship. Um, if it's unpaid, you can be a little bit more selective on where you intern. And that's going to get your foot in the door with whatever company or um, governmental agency that you choose to intern with. And that's also going to give you a foundation of skills. So when you're applying for jobs, you kind of stand out a little bit. Um, you're not just a college graduate that's got a degree you actually have a little bit of work experience um, so that's going to get your foot in the door and then um, once you graduate I would recommend getting like a seasonal position um, could again be with the state it could be with the land trust something um, generally these positions don't pay very well um, but they're going to give you more experience and again they're going to get your foot in the door um, and that'll help that'll help kind of um, get your career going it was over five years before I got my current position um, I had a bunch of seasonal positions I went to grad school for a couple years and then I also um, I took a job that was in utility forestry mm -hmm which got me some more like plant identification experience, but it wasn't strictly related to restoration. Um, so when you start a career in ecological restoration, it's, it's a journey. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a winding path. It's not going to be a straight line. You have to be patient. You have to be persistent. And you, you can't really give up um, if you want to keep going with that path. I mean, there's certainly a lot of people there who do. Um, a lot of people I went to school with switched careers and are doing something completely unrelated. Um, but it's it's a hard path to follow, but if you stick with it, um, it can be very rewarding. Awesome. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you again so much to Taylor Lehman for taking the time out of her busy schedule to talk to me about not only Loblolly Marsh, but her work and her background. It's people like Taylor who are doing incredible work, hard work, to restore natural places, to preserve ecological processes, and ultimately impact all of us and just bettering our world for us wildlife, everything. It's so important and I can't say thank you enough.